and welcome to the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts, Paul Samuda and Amanda Woodward. With 45 years of combined experience in the world of property buying, selling, investing and developing, they are here to share with you their knowledge in the Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle-under-Lyme and Crew property market. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Essential Property Podcast. My name is Amanda Woodward and I have the pleasure of having Jasmine and Priya from the Hard Hat Developers with me. Now today we're going to be talking about their current business model of acquiring commercial property nationwide and developing residential units. So welcome Jasmine and welcome Priya. Thank you for having us. Okay, good stuff. So I'm going to hand it over to you guys to introduce yourselves and tell us a little about the Hard Hat Developers. So hi, everybody. I'm Jasmine and I'm Priya. We are the Hard Hat Developers, known as unknown on Instagram, but in life, we're just Jasmine and Priya. We invest across England. We basically buy every kind of strategy except from rent to rent and SA. And our favorite kind of deals are office to resi conversions or resi to resi conversions. Brilliant. So we're going to kick off with a few questions so we can get to know you a little bit more and for the listeners to understand what it is that you're doing and what you've been doing in and around sort of the Stoke-on-Trent and Staffordshire area. So you ladies are in a partnership together. I've known Jasmine for, I think, about eight years or so now and have been keeping an eye on what she's been doing over the years and all the different developments she's been doing and especially envious of all of her London deals but tell us a little bit about the partnership, perhaps how you met, why you decided to go into business together, and how that has taken shape. So Jasmine and I met in 2018. I got made redundant from working in banking in the city and kind of was dipping my toe into property. And I didn't have any friends. Well, I didn't have any property friends, as Jasmine was going to correct me. I didn't have any property friends. And I found it quite a lonely place to work. And coming from a large corporate company, I was kind of always having fun at work so when I had to then kind of be self-employed and work alone it was quite lonely so Jasmine's husband was actually my best friend I say was because he's been very quickly replaced and sometimes he likes that sometimes he doesn't he is my very good friend and he was like why don't you meet Jasmine why don't you go for a coffee or we actually went for a shisha just see how you kind of you guys get on and whatever it may be and so we met up and one meeting led to another meeting again just over our love for shisha and also being and, sushi. Able, and sushi and being able to talk about property quite freely and just basically encouraging each other and providing like an outlet for each other because I think that especially then it was very even now everyone's very happy happy everything's so good everything's so perfect and there was not real any like honesty about kind of the struggles or the kind of not as great part of the industry especially like working alone so it was more of like a we were able to like help each other but also like provide like a venting outlet to kind of look like talk about frustrations and things that we didn't feel so great that we were we didn't feel struggling so, with yeah, or we were like, able to we support each other help. through yeah we also come from very similar backgrounds as such we both were West Londoners and we kind of both have a portfolio individually and with our family so we kind of could resonate very quickly about how annoying parents can be working with parents working with parents and yeah so that kind of brought us a little bit close together and as my journey continued I 
got a bit bored, I would say, with residential HMOs and converting them. It kind of became very rinse and repeat. And I did quite a few very quickly in my first few months of being in property. We then started what's individually both were looking at commercial but we didn't really know that we were doing that until a little while into discussion so then it kind of came a bit more like peer-to-peer learning like oh I found this or oh, what do you think about this or how did you analyze this or I made this analyzer and kind of just discussion based and actually it was very strange we were met up one evening and Jasmine said how do you feel about doing a project together and I also had the same mindset and the kind of same idea in my head but I didn't really say anything because that's just me all over I'll just wait a little bit suss things out and then and I'll just say it because that's just me so we both had the same idea and at that point in time we didn't know how this relationship or partnership would form but sometimes it does feel like we're in a deeper relationship than with our husbands because we spend so much time together we are always constantly trying to be on top of our work and also remain friends so it kind of just naturally evolved from studying and going to networking and learning into this partnership and the hard hat developers were formed fantastic that's a brilliant introduction so you decided that you wanted to work together so I guess the next decision was what you were going to work on now from the little bits that I know about the business you have moved into sort of the the conversion space to create residential units like you said either from commercial or from residential and changing the format but you have sort of upped the ante in terms of the size of the developments so was that always part of the plan to start to go for a larger development should we say no I don't think it was like a conscious decision. It was like... I had quite a loose criteria. And why we say the word loose is because sometimes in property, we think that you have to move to where the deal works, not necessarily specifically to the area. And for us, when we started with our first project, which was actually in Birmingham, we started a commercial conversion. It was, I can't remember, Jazzy, how many, how many feet? 4,000 square yeah, foot. 4,000 square foot. So it was quite a bigger project than what we're used to. But we started... Why, one of the reasons we started in the Midlands was because the risk was lower, the investment was lower. If you're in comparison to some of the other projects we've done where there have been a million pound purchase price, a million pound build, etc. We kind of wanted to cut our teeth into something a little bit more accessible and a little bit more low risk, which is why we started investing commercial conversions more up north. Yeah, I mean, that totally makes sense. And then, Jasmine, you already had some experience of investing in Stoke-on-Trent a few years ago. I remember you contacting me and saying you're looking at building a portfolio in the student market of Stoke, which is a well-established market with Staffordshire University. It has been attracting investors for a long, long time, but probably over the last perhaps eight to 10 years has attracted quite a lot of outside investment either from uh, London-based investors or from large corporates. So perhaps you could share with, with us a little bit about the activity that has taken place in Stoke over the years. So that when I first bought, I kind of bulk bought in like a, maybe a time period of like two, two and a half years. And they're mixed between like multi-let and the most I have is like a five-bedroom HMO and then the small, they're between three-bedroom and five-bedrooms. And they're all in relatively good kind of like all walking distance from the university. And they were always just kind of ticking over. There was never really a height. When I originally bought, there was never really like it is now. You didn't need like the highest of standards. It was, you know, like the magnolia walls, kind of your standard carpet, like just, it was just an easier model. And I think 
now moving kind of into COVID, maybe like even a year before, there's so much competition in the area that the market was becoming more and more saturated. I mean, I stopped buying in Stoke, I think in, oh, oh, do you know what? I couldn't even begin to tell you. I think I stopped buying about five years ago and I just kind of kept my portfolio there because the prices were kind of increasing and it just wasn't financially making as much sense. But the portfolio is kind of maybe like a foundation of my, like the, the, the properties in Stoke are like a foundation of my portfolio because they tick over every year. I have quite a good team there. So every I have a couple of agents, like I don't really have to worry. And when I first bought, I was going up quite often. And now I really don't even have to go up there, even when we're doing a changeover like of tenant, of, uh, of students. My builders will go in, my, my letting agents will go. And it's just kind of a little bit easy. With COVID, for the first part of COVID in 2020 to 2021, I really didn't have a problem. There was no kind of void. Everybody was staying. And 21 going into 22, it seems to be that there's less students wanting properties. So this year has been slightly a bit more challenging of all of the years that I've had in terms of the kind of people that are wanting the properties, the amount of people looking, and a couple of them for sake of ease, because I actually need to do a couple of renovations there for for my HMOs. I've just put them onto buy to lets for the moment, Mm -hmm. and that works perfectly for me for the moment. And then I'll think I'll go back and revamp it a little bit when I have time. But do you know what? I think when you work with a team for so long, the, the amount of trust you can have with them they're either going to get complacent or you're just going to have a groove with them. And I finally feel like I have a nice little groove with them. We can understand each other and it's just easy. And that's exactly what I wanted for my portfolio, ease. Okay. And would you say that for anyone listening in who's considering moving on to some larger developments, would you say that you can learn a lot doing the smaller deals first and building a small portfolio before you move forward? 100%. I think... I think to go from zero to a big development, I think is careless and I think is risky because if you have no property experience and all of a sudden you want to go and buy, I don't know, let's for argument's sake, to an office conversion, even a smaller office conversion into HMO, you have no experience of even the basics, like the basic level of conversation, understanding of price point, understanding of negotiation, understanding of timelines. Also, if it's your first project, naturally, you're going to have fear, you're going to be out of your comfort, you're going to be super stressed out, you're going to second guess yourself. The minute you start doing these things, that's when mistakes happen. And I think with with confidence and with experience comes efficiency. And I think in a big project, you need efficiency. You also need to look at the level of the numbers. They're all very, very relative. So if you're investing in a house in Stoke, it's not going to be the same as a commercial project in Stoke. So it's also down to a personal risk appetite and whether you're willing to kind of make those mistakes. Obviously, they'll come at a greater cost than what a residential would come at. We're great believers in slow and steady always wins the race. Yeah, that's actually one of our mantras in our business plan, actually, to go slow and steady, but, you know, to go forever effectively rather than short bursts of of quick profits that don't last. So I'd agree with that. We've been approached by quite a few student landlords this year who have said that they haven't been able to get tenants for the next student year ahead, either because of quality or just because of the reduction, which I guess is around the whole sort of remote learning or people's educational Decisions have changed a lot on the back of COVID in terms of what they see as a priority. So we are repurposing those for the professional market or we are filling the summer because you're right in Stoke. There does tend to be a good two months 
before the next group move in and they're not willing to take on that property because they'll just go and rent another one on the same street around the corner and they'll still save two months worth of rent. Mm -hmm. So what we've started to do is try and fill those voids for landlords as well, which is quite interesting. So keeping on the same theme, keeping in the same location as Stoke, Staffordshire. Now, not that these two are linked entirely, but you did recently take on a development in Leak, which is only down the road, still in an ST postcode. January 2020, we purchased a building in um, Leak called the County Services Building. It was a former office. It was just shy of 11,000 square foot. Over 11,701 square foot. Just over, sorry. And we are, well, we did convert into 21 one-bedroom apartments. Our primary exit strategy at the point in time of purchasing was to sell each individual unit which I'll touch upon in a little bit in a minute. It was um, a six-month planning process with lovely Staffordshire Council. It was an absolute nightmare. Because it was PD and it took six months. So wanted my blood, literally. Six months after we got planning accepted in June of 2020, I actually remember the day and I was just literally like, do I, do, 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 do we cry? Do we like, you know, you know, it's been so long. And in, obviously as well, we are now paying for this building when we're not actually doing anything with it. Is it a possibility of doing something? You know, all these thoughts continuously going around your head. Anyway, so we got planning for 21 units. We had some ridiculous discharge conditions, as the, as which is very, very normal now. And we um, started build in July of 2020. We actually used our team from the Midlands who travelled up to Stoke to kind of, well, leak, leak. well, Staffordshire. For me, it's all the same thing. But anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they um, travelled up primarily just because we had done quite a few commercial conversions with them in the Midlands. We trust them. We will know them. It was just very easy for us. It was kind of a rinse and repeat model again. And primarily it just allowed us the greater flexibility not to be on site every day. It kind of gave us the trust and the confidence that they could get on with the job and we can kind of continue to do with what what we like to do and find new properties whilst this build was going on. Obviously, COVID hit during the build and this property in particular took quite a big beating. It was an office building on four floors, so it was very large. It had a lift in there. And materials were a huge, huge struggle for us. So much so we ended up building our own storage unit on site because we have a 26 area car parking facility. We ended up building like containers and then filled the containers. We essentially tried to get as much material as possible in order for us to continue to do so. But they got robbed. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Everything just kind of under the sun possible that could went, go wrong went wrong. Yeah, we then struck a huge problem with utilities. So next, I don't know Amanda if you know the building, but next to the building is a doctor's surgery. We needed to excavate along their car park in order to get our utilities in. So we came to an agreement that the medical centre can use our car parking space to help the patients. We're helping your local community because it makes no difference to us. There was nothing on the car parking space. Now push comes to shove and we need to close the car park for a few days, which is our land, and we need right of access to their passage. They weren't giving it to us. So we spent three months back and forth. Next thing we know, we get an email one morning. 
please transfer £10,000 to my account. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll let you use the car park if you give me £10,000. Wow. Right. So I've been letting you use my car park. You've been using my facilities with, like, not said anything. Now you want £10,000. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Are you going to say yes or no? When my utility companies turn up, are you going to say yes? Are you going to say no? What, what kind of predicament? We had so many conversations, so many like literally heated conversations because I just think this is all completely wrong. Jasmine was more of a mindset, come on, Priya, we've got to do it, we've got to do it, we've got to bite the bullet. And I was just like, are you nuts? Like, this is just crazy. Anyway. So you paid So you paid the £10,000? Of course we did. <laughs> and <laughs> and you every day is costing us. We're already yeah. due to COVID. We also have a team that needs to go in and can continue with their job. They cannot do that. Also, getting utilities in, by the time you book a utility company to come in, that you're already in arrears. So you can't really book until you own the property. Once you And you've obviously got planning. So once you've booked it in, we've got a date. And with COVID, there were so many, there was months and months of delay because they literally were just not coming out to new sites. So we then had the issue. One thing we did do, though, which was so, so good, is we got a utility provider to manage all the utilities and all the new phase connections. And Don't ask me what they are because I don't understand it and I don't really care to understand it. But all the kind of the meters. It's basically a project manager for just the new utilities. Yeah. And they are phenomenal. And we have to obviously pay a little bit more. But the headache is alleviated and they do a whole analysis onto the site on day one. So you kind of know what you're up against. And there's a huge utilities are a huge pain. So for us, it was great to kind of alleviate that pressure. But the pressure still kind of came back on us when we have to use someone else's path as such when pavement. Wasn't- just the, I think with property, just the minute you think that you have streamlined and you have like Mm. you've had you have able to say okay right you know what I don't have to go inside this is not going to be a stressful thing I've kind of managed this expectation I've figured this out just as you think you have it all figured out something else happens and the something else is something you've never come up against before and then you're just dealing with this whole new situation and then when you go into your next project you think oh I've, I know this like I'm good and it doesn't even come up in that project so you, you just can't even I think you have to go in with zero ex, like zero expectation of thinking you've got it all handled because when you think you have it all handled, you won't, but there'll be something. I think that's one of the biggest things that people miss when they do start to go to the larger deals, that the internal refurbishment of a building is generally the internal refurbishment of a building. It's, you know, one flat versus 20 flats. In theory, you're replicating the same thing, but it's more the the detail, isn't it, around the planning and the access and the utilities. All external factors, all external people. I cannot control the planners. I cannot control utility companies. I cannot control my neighbours. I I don't have that control. It's not anything in my area that I can go ahead and say something to. It's all other people. That's definitely an interesting move from the the doctor's surgery, but there we go. Everyone's trying to... They're not making enough money themselves. During COVID, can't you imagine this? Anyway, extra 10 grand. You know what? That's why I don't trust nobody. So the bill process, let's go back to Leap. The bill process happened a lot, majority of it during COVID. There were a lot of setbacks, primarily due to materials, labourers getting COVID, COVID on site, and obviously rules are very different at that point in time. The site had to close down for a period of time before they could go back on. They had robberies on site. So it was literally back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And... Then what happened was is we kind of made a little bit of more traction. 
we started to get some agents involved, started doing some pricing, started to kind of work out, obviously, we're going to put these in the market. From previous projects that we've been doing, we're selling nine units in another area. We've just both had the discussion. We're like, we cannot sell 21 units. We will die. Like the paperwork and the admin and the time taken, it's not something that we want to do. So we ended up looking for a provider and essentially we sold the building in December of last year to a provider and essentially it was one sale, very stressful sale, but essentially it worked out for us and we sold the 21 units in one go. However, during the time period to, to get that sale to go, we completed the build, when did I get married? July, September, we completed the build in September, 100% complete, but we had from September to December just then to push the sale through, which is obviously, it's nerve wracking. Like, what do you do? Because you, you put all your eggs in one basket, exactly. hoping that if something for, if you're selling 21 units and say you've sold 12 of them or 15 of them, then you can almost kind of like, all right, you're not so as stressed. Yeah, you probably. can. But with one person buying all 21 units, and if anything goes a little bit left, you've lost so much time. And you, or we all, at some, when we started having conversations, and then part of it was done up to their standard. So we're also now quite, we're basically at your feet a little bit, but it all worked itself out. And uh, robberies and all were sold just under two years, start to finish. It was, I actually going. remember it was my, my sister was getting married and calls were coming in. And I was like, I actually don't think this is the right day for this. But literally, we're both, we were standing outside the front of my house. I was, sister's wedding day. I was getting phone calls at the, at the religious day. Oh, we were at the religious temple. I was actually like, literally everyone was eating and I was literally getting phone calls and I was having to step out taking phone calls. And I was like, Pro can't talk today because like, her sister's getting, like her sister's quite literally getting married. And Jasmine was surprised me and I couldn't take my sister's like, you know, big Indian wedding. So she was doing some jobs for me because I just literally was absolute carnage. This is the stuff nobody tells you about. There's no work-life balance. I'm getting in the car to take my sister to Birmingham after she's got married to like, you know, whatever. Jasmine's like, can you call me? I'm like, no, not right (laughs) now. Oh my God, I've got to get my sister married. Like, are you nuts? So yeah. It was also quite challenging during COVID to always be up there. So we're very thankful for the great build team we had. Even we obviously used some bank finance on this. It essentially got to the point where the bank turned around and said, can you just Zoom call us because we can't come to site? We, we don't want to. We're, we're worried, whatever. Everybody had their own kind of level of security or what's the word? Preference, safety. safety during COVID and their own preference as well. So during those period of time, we kind of were fortunate enough and it also showed us a new way of working because obviously we live in London. Stoke is four hours from us. Leek is four hours, three and a half on a good day. So it showed us a new, easier way of working where we can still be so involved, but not necessarily spend eight hours in a day driving there and back. So for that, I think COVID has changed the way of the world for the better. We've relinquished some control. Yeah. I've got a question for you. So just for our listeners who may not be up to speed with how it works when you are selling a development or when you say that you sold it to a provider, just explain a little bit more about not necessarily who they were, but the sector that they're in and the benefits of that. Yeah, it can be anybody. It could be like a pension. providers, pension funds, investment funds. There's people that come from abroad that have... they have investors that want to buy portfolios it can also be like um your local authorities that are purchasing for themselves and and they've got like a quota to hit so basically any large corporation that has a budget to purchase certain housing 
Yeah. So be it long term for low yield, be it like um literally like care providers, emergency housing sectors. There's there's so many different like large corporations that have a budget to do so. The benefit is that you don't have to go through individual unit sales. You say so you're paying less in the well, I mean you'd hope, but you're paying less in the legal fees, you're like less time involved in it. And also, although for the most part you you take a little bit less of a profit it's just an easier kind of it's just a cleaner in and out situation yeah I also think it just depends that point in time because had Jasmine and I sat out and waited for the 21 sales we're very impatient people and kind of sometimes you just as Jasmine said you just we just took it because it it was just easier we're in and out and on to our next project and essentially we ran them. We always have multiple exit strategies. So this would have worked as normal. We could have rented all the 21 units out and refinanced later on. We could have sold each all of the 21 units and we could have sold to a provider. So we kind of know our numbers and know our end game and kind of at that point in time have the flexibility within our business model to make those decisions, which is a very good position to be in, especially in today's climate with COVID, with market, with a lot of investors being a bit more wary, a lot of more investors taking a lot more risk for different reasons. It's so varied. So I think it's really, really important for all of us to have our own stance on what works and what doesn't. Yeah, I agree. So would you consider Staffordshire for future projects in terms of just the location, sort of the the planning location that you've been through? Is it on a to-do list or is it on the never again list (laughs) it's in the work in progress list it's happening okay good Um, so we had planning accepted last week on another building of ours and we are working on another three buildings too brilliant in and around sort of the st postcode area we'll be seeing you Amanda very soon I was about to say I think we're definitely overdue a meetup so that sounds really good so for our listeners who might be considering a similar strategy, be it in the Stoke-on-Trent area or perhaps nationwide for some of our listeners further afield, what sort of tips would you have for them? Any sort of initial guidance that you could give things for them perhaps to look out for that they may not have considered as they're starting to increase the size of their developments? I think due diligence is super, super important. And I guess everybody has their own level of how much due diligence will be suffice in order to for a project to work. But for us, we wouldn't just speak to, for example, one agent. We'd probably speak to five or six. I mean, in Eastbourne, we spoke to 12. 12. So we are research is very, very, very important. And how you conduct that research is kind of entirely up to you and your gut feeling. But for us, we are guided by our numbers and our guts, if that kind of makes sense, and like the area and all these there's not one thing alone I can give or tip I can give you that works because in property there's so many different moving parts to making that I think nowadays everybody we speak to I want to do a conversion I want to do like land development I want to be a developer like and I understand it because it's like it sounds so juicy but the realities of it is is if you haven't even done a HMO like a conversion it will be a massive leap for you unless you are with somebody that has had an experience like that. And it is just a pure risk at that point. So for me, I think that when you have been in property for, I don't think it's even a time period. I think that when you feel that you have a few under your belt, you feel confident and you're now looking to kind of keep interested or challenge yourself a little bit, then I think then it's a good step to go into conversions And I always think, don't bite off more than you can chew. Go at your own pace and 
if you can and you're a bit worried, partner with somebody or have someone consult even on a project you're doing. Because some people look at, oh, I don't want to pay anybody to be consulting. But that amount of money you pay someone just to consult and give you some advice and kind of walk you through a project is money well spent, especially on your first one, just so you have reassurance, you have an extra set of eyes and you you kind of can be a little bit more efficient and that will save you so much money in the long run, especially on your first project. It is important to enjoy it. And also another thing that you can do in property is find the bits that you do enjoy and just focus on them mm. because there's bits that I don't enjoy that Jasmine does enjoy and vice versa. And whether you're a partnership or you leverage it out to another person, for example, let's take our social media, for example, Jasmine enjoys it a lot more than I do because I find it quite mentally draining to see what everybody's doing and people knowing my business I find that quite daunting I don't necessarily love social media but I think it's super important for there to be people out there that are investing and showing that actually the realities of property are not always so super super glamorous it's not always super easy it's we didn't get here by luck we took risks we sometimes we lose money sometimes we make money sometimes we are happy about it sometimes we are not happy about it and that's kind of the only reason that I stay motivated to be on social media because every so often you'll get a message and you'll you'll get someone saying thank you for your honesty because no one's given it to us and last night that's really that's really important uh, we spoke at a property meet and of I don't know if you've realised Amanda speaking is not my strength. I don't really particularly enjoy it. I'm not the most confident person. Put me behind my laptop and give me some numbers and I'm good. But I'm getting there, I'm doing it. The amount of nice feedback we receive from being on this event last night, it kind of makes it a little bit more worthwhile. It kind of, you know, it gives me the motivation that if we're helping anybody else who's kind of felt like us or has some sort of kind of interest but is a little bit afraid or lost as a how to start and if we're helping anybody that's kind of great in in its own way yeah good that's great to hear and on that note tell anyone who's listening a little bit about what you guys do offer in terms of services in that department I know you have many strings to your to your bow within your companies so maybe just share a little bit about the services that you offer so um, we coach. We Our coaching is very bespoke and depends upon the, what the client's needs, wants are, where they'd like to invest, their own goals, how much money they have available, etc. We also offer strategy sessions to help people kind of get going and kind of all revisit their goals and kind of re- basically plan their property journey a little bit for them. We source, but not really more so in a specific area because as you know that like we invest in the country so what we found is we we kind of have great teams in great areas and we've got a whole infrastructure and then we end up not really like if we're we're currently looking a lot in London and then look a lot of like conversions outside but we have great residential teams in certain areas like Birmingham Middlesbrough and Kent and we've kind of just left them there so we ended up if we get deals on our table we will source them on some of our clients so and um, we work with private investors in order to fund our projects as we all do we all need investors absolutely good stuff okay ladies that's been fantastic i think we've got a great insight as to what's happening at the hard hat developers and also a little bit about your background if anyone listening wants to get in touch with you what's the best way to do that instagram is always the best way so hard hat developers is our insta handle always drop us a message or drop us an email you can go out the hard 
heartdevelopers.co.uk. Amazing. Good stuff. All right. Thank you very much. Amazing. Lovely to see you both and lovely to hear from you both. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if so, please hit subscribe and share with those who you think would enjoy it too. To get in touch with Paul and Amanda directly, please visit their website, www.essentialpropertyoptions.co.uk for more information. We look forward to sharing with you on the next episode.